0: Are you ready to jump in today? Uh, John chapter 1, John chapter 1, we're going to continue our series uh, called No Filter. No Filter. And uh, remember, I told you that many times. Uh, we begin to see God inaccurately. And it can be from your past, it can be from a denomination, it can be from a a previous pastor or a mentor or someone in your life. Uh, It could be from a tragedy, but many times things happen in our life that skew uh, the reality of who God really is. And so many times maybe God can begin as this loving father, but over the years because of things that have happened to you, you kind of see him as maybe an angry guy who's very distant and really you're not even sure if he's up there. And these are filters that that are placed in our life, that through this series, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would just wipe them all away, and we can see God for who He really is. And so last week, we looked at the, the love of God, and how the love of God is to be known, but also to be encountered. Paul says that the love of God has been poured out into his heart, overflowing into every other area of his life. And, uh, and so we looked at, at love, and today we're going to talk about the grace of God, we're going to look at the the grace of God and 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 put the slide up because many times grace when we're saved looks very clear and you can read that and you know that it's grace and we know that grace is unearned you didn't deserve it it's not something that like you know you you did a bunch of stuff and and attended church for four weeks in a row and so God's going to give you grace no when you got saved you knew you didn't have nothing to do with it come on if you're like me you were running the opposite way and doing nothing good for God but He snatched you up and He he saved you by his by his grace but over time if we're honest things happen and life happens and and we, we go through struggles and we go through uh, situations in life and we're trying to navigate failure and forgiveness and all of these things and so over time because of situations many times grace can be skewed a little bit and and, and so now what happens is is when we see it we still know that it's there but it's a little bit blurry but over time, more time goes by. And, and, and hear me, many times it's it's people who've been saved the longest who end up walking farther and farther away from real grace, and something is difficult, or there's a, a church hurt, or something you're trying to navigate, and, and and before long, you're really doing this thing on your own, but you're still coming to church and you still understand grace and you still sing about grace. But but lastly, grace can really begin to look like this in our life. You you know it as a Concept. You, you sing the song and so it's, it kind of stays up here, but it never trickles down into your everyday life. Grace grace can kind of be uh, something that, that we don't really know what to do with. It's kind of like if you ever if you ever had somebody if you ever gone in for a big hug I don't, I'm a hugger so if you come up sometimes I just want a hug but have you ever had like an awkward transaction with that before <laughs> where like you you go up for for a hug but their hand is there and you're like well maybe they're a shaker and not a hugger so I'm gonna so I'm gonna switch and I'm switching but they switch too so then you both switch so you're like. Do I switch again? Do I hang tight? I don't really know what to do. And so there's this awkward exchange. And, and most of the time, if it's a church hug, a lot of times it's that, you know that, you know that awkward side hug? <laughs> and that's okay. Guys, listen, y'all need to stay side hugging, by the way. All my teenagers right here. Side hugs are good. <laughs> all right? <laughs> but, but grace Grace has a way of coming at us, wanting a big bear hug. We're really just not sure what to do with it. And so many times we kind of awkwardly side hug it. And it's like, yeah, okay, I'm, we just don't know what to do with it because it's counter culture for us. It's, it's counterintuitive. We, 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 it's hard to really understand real grace. And so we're going to look at it today. Uh, John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And we're going to start in verse 14 says this, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is what Jesus is bringing to the scene. John bore witness about him and cried out, And this was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me, and from his fullness... We have received grace upon grace. Look at verse 17, because we're going to unpack this. For the law was given through Moses, or you could say, for the covenant of the law was given through Moses, but the covenant of grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, we ask that in these next few moments, you would let grace... Fall like a big blanket over everybody here, and we can receive it, we can understand it, and we can walk out of here living in the grace that was purchased from the blood of Jesus. I ask that you open every heart, encourage every person in here, in Jesus' name. Everybody set. What are some filters uh, when it comes to grace? Well, let me give you one, and it comes from my days in youth ministry. Um, I've told you before, if you, if you don't like the way I preach, or if I move around too much, or if I shout, and I do it's just because of eight years of trying to keep teenagers, keep their attention. And I mean, if, you, if some of my youth are, are in here that were, were under me, listen, i would be times where I'd be up in the chair talking to them. Whatever I can do, whatever I can do to keep you, you know, listening, uh, but I remember one kid who came in and he was fired up, man. He got saved and he was, he was just, he was worshiping with all he had. And, and, and he would, we called him the hype man. He would be in the front row during worship. He'd be jumping around. You know that guy who, was, who, who would worship so hard that like it made other people worship. You just felt bad if you weren't like lifting your hands or something. You're like, this guy right here is just going all at it. I got to do something here. And so it just makes it makes other people worship. This He was the hype man. He was loud. He didn't care what he thought about. him. But I noticed about three or four weeks in, one day, he wasn't on the front row during worship. He was a few rows back, and he wasn't, you know, being his normal expressive self. And he kind of had his arms folded like this and was just kind of mumbling the words of the song. So after the youth service, I said, hey, what's going on, man? He said, well, you know. I said, I noticed you're not as, you know, worshiping as hard today. What's going on? Said, well, you know, just, just going through some things. I'm like, okay, well, what kind of things are you going through? He said, well, you know, Monday came, and I I, I messed up, and then, you know, Tuesday came, I ended up yelling at my mom, and so, you know, I'm just trying to get through that. I'm trying to navigate through that, and, uh, you know, I just kind of really feel bad for that, and so I just need some time, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, no, I really don't know what you're saying. What what are you really, what has changed from from your position in Christ from Monday to make you come into here uh, on a Wednesday and, and feel like you can't worship? Well, what it is, is he had begun to receive condemnation for the sin that he had committed, I remember you know being in my early twenties, joined the the Coast Guard, and, the, and I, I was uh, I was living in in Virginia at an at a school, and uh, and and I lived the same way. I, mean, I was passionate for Jesus. I would get in my word. I, I was hungry for more of the Lord, and and uh, just just really was consumed with God. But I had struggles in my life, like most of all of us do, and I, I couldn't really see figure out how to navigate my struggles. And so what I would do is I would be on that roller coaster of failure, and then it would take me about a week to come back out of it, to feel like I was worthy enough to come back in church and, and be expressive and tell people about Jesus, and, and, and we just have to sort of work our way back into good graces with God, and I remember uh, reading a book, and, and it was about grace, and it changed my life. I began to really understand the truth of grace and, and let me say this um, uh, right away. What you believe about God will, be, will determine how you live for him. What you believe about God, this is why it's so important for us to have good theology and, and, and understanding of the truths of this book. Me encouraging you and standing up here week after week is not going to bring you freedom. It's a pep talk. The words in this book have life and they can bring freedom in your life because they're truth. Jesus came in grace and truth. So this is why we need to understand truth. What I want to do is I want to talk to you about, I'm going to kind of start theologically. This is just going to be a little bit one of those messages, but hang, hang in there because it's going to be worth it for you, I think. So we're going to talk about kind of two theological truths about grace that we really just need to know, and then we're going to deal with three misconceptions, uh, and then we're going to land the plane and go home. You ready? Ready? Theological truth number one that we need to understand about grace is this. There is a covenant of grace. If you've, if you've been in my dad's uh, Wednesday night class, the overview of the Bible, you've probably heard him talk a lot about the old covenant and the new covenant. Uh, what does that really mean? Um, it, it, it's, it's, it means that there, the word covenant means agreement. Agreement. So so God, or you could say the dispensation of the law versus the dispensation of grace, old and new. And, And a dispensation just means a period in history that forms the framework for how God relates to mankind. And so in the old agreement, if you will, God dealt with humanity through law. Everything that he did was through a system of law. And and now, it was all pointing to a better day, though. And when Jesus came, in John chapter 1, it says he came with grace and truth. He actually came with a new agreement or a new dispensation. And what this means is, is that God now deals with humanity only through grace, if you're a child of God, only gra- he only sees through grace. And Jesus made that possible. And so we want to talk about how that can affect our lives if we really don't understand it. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. I want to illustrate this for you uh, about the covenants. And I think this is going to help us build uh, a good foundation for grace that will allow us to walk in freedom. It says in uh, Hebrews 10, starting in verse 11, every priest stands daily in the, old, uh, in the old agreement at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until the enemies, his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has, say that next word, perfected by a single offering he has but it's it's an ongoing past present tense he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified that's you and me and the Holy Spirit bears witness to this so the Holy Spirit is saying yes 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 new agreement it's grace it's grace let it pour out over us And it says in verse 16, this is the new covenant or the new agreement that I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I, in the new agreement, I'm going to put my laws on their hearts. And I'm going to write them on their minds. And then he adds, oh, let this verse settle over you today. I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds. No more. Oh, you 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 mean that one like a couple years ago? It was really bad. Yeah. But I also mean the one today, the little one. And I also mean the one tomorrow that you hadn't even committed yet. And I also mean the one two years from now. And I also mean every single one that you could ever commit for your whole life. The grace of God through the cross of Jesus Christ has made and declared you innocent. And he said, I will not look at you through a lens of sin. I now, because Jesus paid your debt, can see you only through grace. Only through grace. It's interesting when you talk about the different covenants, right? Uh, there's a story in Luke where like, Jesus and the disciples are going through this town on the way to Jerusalem, and, and they don't receive him because they're just looking for a place to, say, to stay. And, and so the disciples, the disciples are going ahead, trying to, hey, can we stay with you? I got Jesus with me. Like, come on, give us some, uh, some grub and, and, and a bed. It's just Jesus. And they're like, "No, get out of here. No, get out of here." And so finally the disciples were like, "Jesus, I can't, you will not believe what happened. They have totally rejected us. We have nowhere to stay. Do you want me to call fire from heaven down upon them? Would you like to do it or me? I mean, I'm good either way." <laughs> and we laugh about that, but it was an old way of thinking. I could take you to a story in the Old Testament where God did that. It was an old agreement. But because Jesus comes on the scene with a new agreement, he says, no, 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 he rebuked them. You see, now I don't call fire from heaven. Now, now they, they have an opportunity to be saved. There's a new agreement. There's a new dispensation. There's a new covenant. So we need to understand the two and understand that God only deals with you through the lens of grace. And I already hear the questions that you're thinking in your head. Oh, what about this? We're gonna cover all that. Just hang on. The covenant of grace versus the covenant of law. That's the first truth, okay? Then we need to understand the justification of grace. Romans 3.23. This is a big misconception uh, uh, in in a lot of people's life. Romans 3.23 says this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified. You could think of justified like this. Just if I had never sinned, you are declared righteous and innocent. Justified. And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. This is important. He's going to tell us how those things, why this is so important. Whom God put forward as a propitiation or an appeasement by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness. Because in his divine forbearance, he passed over former sins in the old system, he had to sweep them under the rug. But now, it, but it is to show his righteousness so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Now, what, is, what, do I, what am I trying to say with all of that theological stuff? Here's what I'm trying to say. When we think of love and grace and the grace of God, many times we think of God as a big teddy bear. You know, I mess up and I fail and because God's so nice... He just overlooks them and he sweeps all that under the rug. And this is God's grace. This is him sweeping everything under the rug like it never happened. This is not, no, 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 because if, if, if someone did something terrible to you and you were in a courtroom and the judge stood up and said, you know, I know, that, I know that they did all of these terrible things to you and your family that were totally illegal. I'm just having a good day today. You're free to go. You would stand up and you would say, that's not fair. That's not just. They deserve punishment for what they did to me. And so God, being just, had to deal with all of your sins, not just the ones you've committed in the past, but everything that you could ever do. And he had to deal with it, and that's why he sent Jesus to to redeem us or to, to justify us to pay the credit card debt that you owed. And so now now God is able to look at you and say, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. I have justified you just as if you never did anything wrong at all. I'm able to legally, justly declare you innocent. We don't like that though because we feel like it's not fair I messed up. I got to do something. Oh, you, you want to pay for your sins? You want to go down that road? You want to try to work for your sin? Do you know what the wages of your sin is? So the justification of grace. So we just need to settle this. God's grace is legally just. He can legally look at you, even though you feel like a sinner. If your faith is in Jesus Christ, you are righteous. I know we're like, ugh, I don't like that, because I don't feel righteous. Thankfully, the truth of God doesn't depend on how you feel today. Come on, somebody. All right. We're going to look at three misconceptions about grace, three filters that many times a majority of people, uh, at least on one of these, most people are are seeing grace through or living through one of these filters. Here's the first one. The first one is this: grace. Now we wouldn't admit to this, but sometimes. There are people who live this way. Grace really is a get-out-of-jail-free card. What you're saying to us, Stephen, is that since God just sees me righteous, I can do whatever I want to. I told first service to some people who like to go get their jiggy on Friday and Saturday night and then come get the church on Sunday morning and just say, well, thank God for grace. Grace is a great get-out-of-jail-free card. And I want to submit to you today that it is actually the grace of God that, that stirs us towards righteousness or right living. It is the very empowerment that the Holy Spirit uses in our lives to direct us into holiness. It's not a get-out-of-jail-free card. Look at Titus. Most people like, Titus? Where's that at? Titus chapter 2. It's a, short, it's a short book towards the end of your Bible. Titus 2 and verse 11, look what he says about grace. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. For all people. This is great news, but most of us stop right there. Oh, thank God for grace because we've been saved by grace. Yes, but then you continue on in your own strength. But what does he say? He says, we bringing salvation for all people, verse 12 says, and training us, what is training us? Grace is training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. It will be your understanding or your ability to really embrace grace that will fuel you to live right. Romans 6.14. We got a lot of scripture today. Is that okay with y'all? Because we're just a, a Bible church. We believe it that, Yeah. So just deal with it. <laughs> Romans 6.14. Man, I could read all of Romans 6 to make this point. It's just so good. But verse 14 says this for sin will have no dominion over you. Why? Since or because you are not under the law, but under. So wait a minute, you're telling me that the way to break free from sin's dominion on my life is not trying harder, but it's actually receiving more of this free gift from God? Yes. No, no, but I thought it would be a license to sin. No, it's a license to live right. It's not a license to sin. When you see, grace is personified in the person of Jesus. Jesus brought, John 1, grace and truth. He, listen, if you're looking for grace, don't look for a concept or a song. Look to the face of Jesus. He brings grace and truth to the table. Grace is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. I want you to imagine those of you who are married, your spouse, and imagine that I hope they love you very much. And imagine you've been through many things, and you you know they love you so much that, God forbid, you don't plan on failing, God forbid, but if you did and you repented, you feel like their love for you would be so strong that it would hurt, but there would, there would be there would be reconciliation there. We can get through this. I forgive you. The fact that your spouse might forgive you Should never then give you the freedom to go cheat on them. The fact that their love for you is so strong and and their forgiveness is so, and they're so for you actually pushes you to more intimacy. It should. Grace is not. And get out of jail for each card. Number two, misconception. And this is the one we all struggle with. The first one, more of an immaturity kind of way to look at grace. Not a lot of us do. Some of us do. But this one, a lot of people see grace this way. Here's the number two filter. I get grace when I'm good, and I get punishment when I sin. When I'm doing right, and I'm, I'm really um, living, in my opinion, in victory, I should expect more grace, right? Come on. I've been doing some things for God. It's only fair for God to do some extra things for me. But in moments when I am in sin, then I should expect punishment, right? This is the way many people live. I've heard this said before. I'm just going through a tough season, and God's punishing me for certain things. Well, my car broke down. And, and 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 my car broke down, and I don't have money to fix it. And then someone gave me money to fix it. And then I and then my tire blew out. And this is just God punishing me for the sins that I that I did against so and so years ago. And I'm just I just deserve it. No no no. Let me let me tell you again. If if God punished you for your sin, you'd be dead. And so, and so, I I need to clear up. I need to clear. <laughs> I need to clear something up for us today. The sickness you have today is not because you sinned. God does not do that. He doesn't punish you with a sickness because you sinned. Come on, he's good. He's loving. And, and I, can, I can promise you, I can promise you, it doesn't matter what illness you have today. It is not God's punishment. You know why I know that? Because his, if he was punishing you, And so let's clear the air. God doesn't punish you for your sin. I already know we don't like to hear that. It goes against culture. It goes against the way that we've been trained. We live in a culture where you get what you deserve. You get what you deserve. If you perform well on your baseball team, you'll probably get some accolades and make the all-star team. You strike out every time you go to the plate, you can probably expect to not play again. I had a friend in Bible college, we were on the way to church one day, and we were having a conversation, and it came out about this topic about his own sin, and he's like, honestly man, there was I didn't ask for forgiveness last night for my sins, so I got up early today to make sure that I was covered. I was like, well, what do you mean covered? He's like, well, you know, if I miss one, and like we die on the way to church, I go to hell. I'm like, so you, you, you're telling me that you think that every time you sin, you got to quick ask for forgiveness. And, and, and if you're not sure, he's like, yeah, and if I'm not sure about certain things, I just ask for forgiveness anyway, just to cover all my bases. Like, well, I had this happen over here, might have been sin, not really sure, forgive me anyways. Just want to make sure I'm good. And the weight and the guilt and the pressure of wondering and living in fear to say, but if, I, if somehow I've missed it and there's some sins that have not been forgiven, then I, I'm scared. I don't want to go to hell. This is not good theology. We have to understand that God's grace in, in, in justifying you was past, present, future. Past, present, future. And I know it, and we're going to talk about identity next week and who we are in Christ, but you need to know this too. I'm just going to ruffle some religious feathers. You're not a sinner. Are you, is your faith in Jesus? Oh, I'm just a poor sinner, saved by his grace. No, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're a son of the Most High God. You're a daughter of the Most High God, purchased by the blood of Jesus. One sacrifice is all that was needed, Hebrews 10 says. It was enough. Don't diminish the the work of the cross by saying, well, I'm just trying to make it to the end and by and by. I hope I make it one day. I'm just a sinner. No, 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 no. That's probably why you're living in sin. You don't understand what's really happened to you. I'm starting to preach. Okay, because I know you're, you're saying to me, Okay, but God doesn't punish us for our sin. But that doesn't make sense. Like, he, he, there's, there's, there's verses that talk about his discipline, and he's, you know, there's things he's, he's doing in our life. And, and again, this is where knowledge or uh, Jesus says that the truth will set you free. We need to know the difference between discipline, between conviction, and between condemnation. Most of us without knowing it are living in condemnation and it's it's killing our calling What's the main difference? Discipline and conviction. Here's the, here's the, the biggest. We, I could do a whole message on this. Discipline and conviction will always point you into righteousness. It will always point you back to God. Condemnation will always point you away from God. So if you're struggling right now with some sins that you have made, and you're feeling this push away from God because, oh, I just deserve some punishment, and I, I don't even think, I, I, I just can't believe, I, and you're feeling distant, is condemnation. But what the grace of God does is it activates who we are and what Christ did in our lives into where now, even though I sin, immediately I'm pushed back into his presence in which causes more thanksgiving and more worship. Yeah. I've shared this many times, but years ago the Lord told me, he said, Stephen, I'm com- from now on, the moment you sin, immediately worship me. And I'm like, I can't do that, Lord. I need some time. You know what I'm saying? And he's like, you need time to what? Operate in your old self and your old identity? And so me immediately beginning to worship him was training me. It was training my spirit to to bounce towards my identity in Christ and what he did for me. And And so what I began to do is I'd fail immediately. I would still feel it, but I'd say, Lord, I just worship you right now. And I thank you for the cross. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for forgiveness over my life. And then I'm your son. And nothing can separate me from your love. And all of a sudden, that hook that sin had on me is gone. Why? Because grace was activated. Grace was activated in my life. And I'm living free. One more illustration, and then I'll go to my last point. I get grace when I'm good and punishment when I sin. Th- this is how ridiculous this idea is. My son Caleb is here, right there on the third row. Hey, buddy. He went to youth camp. Imagine if Caleb comes up to me today after this afternoon and says, Dad, I know I've been gone a while, but did all my chores today. And uh, cut the grass for you, praise God. And uh, <laughs> clean my room. Even clean the, the mess that my brother and sisters made. I didn't even do that. I just cleaned it anyway because I love you. And so because of this, and because of all that I have now done for you, I really feel that I'm now worthy of, of all of the gifts and toys and dinner that you see fit tonight. <laughs> you, you hear how dumb that sounds? And I'm like, no, this is more about birth than worth. See, you get dinner tonight because you're my son, not because you cleaned your room. You, you get grace because you're born again, not because you did something for God. So we're sons and daughters of God by birth, not worth. This is not some bargain that we do with God. We got to get that stuff out. That's all I'm saying, church. And my prayer is even right now, the Holy Spirit is working in hearts demolishing the walls of law and religion and freeing us to live in the grace of God. Lastly, last point. Misconception. Here's the last misconception, and it's hard, but we're going to receive it because it's the word of God. Grace, most people think that God's grace comes in the form of comfort and blessing. And so you may hear something like this. Now, it does... It can, but it does not exclusively only include blessing and comfort. You may hear something like this I got that job in a tough economy. Praise God for God's grace. But a deeper level of grace could also be this I've been jobless for six weeks. And it's been difficult, but God has sustained me. And I now have the eyes to see that over these six weeks, I have been pushed into deeper intimacy with the Lord and a deeper trust with the Lord. And although I still don't have a job, it's still grace. You don't believe me, so I'm going to show you in Scripture. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to 10. 10. It says this, this is Paul. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in comfort, material blessing weakness therefore i will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of christ may rest upon me it's crazy for the sake of christ then i am content with weaknesses insults hardships persecutions and calamities for when i am weak then i am strong what so grace did not remove paul's thorn Grace left it in. <laughs> That's why there was only two amen's right there. Because we see grace only as comfort and blessing. But it was God's grace that left the thorn in, cuz it was doing a deeper work in Paul. It was doing a kingdom work inside of Paul. And so Paul had this revelation that came to him because this thorn was left in him. He was in prison, as Nathan said, in the the dark hour. And a revelation came that says, oh my goodness, even though this thorn is here, it has served a greater purpose to stir me into dependence upon you, God. And it was grace that left the thorn in. For some of us, it's grace that removes the thorn. Grace does not only come in comfort and blessing. Lastly, this is the last thing I want to tell you. What does grace do then? Let me me explain this to you. The enemy comes beside you, and he puts you in a situation to destroy you. He, he, he's, he's trying to destroy you. He's trying to, to, to pull you away from knowledge of who you really are and true understanding about God. He's doing whatever he can to destroy you from your calling. And many times it's situations that he will, he will orchestrate in your life to, to destroy you. What does grace do then? Grace, when it's activated, comes along and most times does not remove the situation but, d- but removes the destructiveness from the situation and then actually begins to use that situation to serve your calling and serve who you really are. And so what we may need to start asking is the first thing we need to ask may not be, God, get me out of this, but God, use this to mold me and, and Lord, walk through this with me so that I can gain every lesson you want me to gain. It's a deeper level of grace. It's, a, it's an immaturity just to think, oh, God, I need more blessing. I need your grace. I need this job. I need this. No, no, no. This is what kids do. There's a maturing, a, a a, another dimension of grace that says oh I, i'm gonna walk through this hardship but but you're with me you're you i'm never gonna be separated from you god you're right by my side the holy spirit has come alongside me to comfort me and lord i know that you are working all of this out for my good all of it out for my good and your glory this is grace The Bible says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. It doesn't say no weapon will form against you. It just says the weapons that come against you won't prosper. Would you pray with me today? Let's take a moment. really felt like the Lord wanted to do a deep work in people today. Living under the old agreement will kill you. It will rob you of your calling. It will rob you of your freedom. And so right now, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, begin to touch every heart in this room. Knock down every religious wall. Knock down every, every wall of law. And God, pour out like a big bucket of water the grace of your presence all over every person in this room. Lord, as we go out of here today, that we can actually walk out of here with a deeper understanding of your grace, living in this empowerment that you bestow upon us. So I pray for every person here, every person. With heads bowed and eyes closed, may there be one person in this room that doesn't have a relationship with you. There was some first service. Praise God for that. Anyone in this room at all who says, I'm not even sure if I have a relationship with Jesus. So I've been to church. I believe he's up there, but I've never really surrendered my life. Listen, today's your day. Please do not walk out of those doors without knowing that you know that you know that you know that you're a son or a daughter of God. Listen, if that's you and you need to make that commitment or you're watching online with heads bowed, eyes closed, I'm gonna ask you with all the boldness that you have to slip your hand up and say, I'm ready to receive Jesus today. Come on, I see that hand. I see those hands. This is what I want us to do. I want us all to pray this prayer together. And if you raise your hand, I'm, listen, this is, a, this is a working that, this is a commitment that you have to make with the Lord. And so, with faith, with all that you are, pray this prayer with me. Everybody pray it out loud. Say, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross, but on the third day were raised from the dead. And today, forgive me of all my sins and fill me with your spirit. I commit my life to you in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. As you're standing, can we just give some praise for what God's done in the room today? Amen.